Welcome to the I Work For Him Power Pod. I'm Michael Miracle, producer for I Work For Him, the voice of the faith and work movement. We are on mission to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. Each quick listening power pod is designed with you in mind and jam-packed with kingdom resources to help you connect your faith and work. How will this impact your workplace? Let's find out right now. Hey, today we got a really cool show for you. You know, it seems like a simple concept. Love on your people. Show them that they're valued, respected, and boom, they perform better. Yet so often we find employers treat their people like numbers and a commodity and create work environments that are toxic and destructive. And no, I'm not just talking about workplaces run by people who don't know Jesus. I'm talking about workplaces run by Christians and pre-believers. How can we change all this? How can we as an I Work For Him listener impact our workplace? You know, we can, leave by, we can lead by valuing all people from the bottom of the organization to the top, whether they receive it or not. Today, we hop on over to Pennsylvania and an organization called Value of the Person. We have Nancy McDonald, John Turian, and Barb Yogan joining us for the day to talk about how you can transform your organization and open up an opportunity for many fruitful kingdom conversations by coming up with the value of the person. Nancy, Barbara, John, welcome to I Work For Him. How does your faith shape your work, John? In this way, it, it started with uh, coming out of the fact that um, it's not just work. I would say it's my life, Jim. I'm calling, you know, one of the uh, strong power phrases that I came out of, you know, Victor CEO experience was, is bloom where you're planted. And pray as if everything depends on God. Work as if everything depends on you. I truly look at my family, my friends, my co-worker, my enemies, people I'm with as saying, you know, at the end of the day, we are called, you know, to a greater purpose. Mm-hmm. And how do I change myself to be a better, um, I want to call it witness, a better friend, uh, to those I'm with. Mm. And Barb, just give us a little sneak peek there. How does your faith shape your work? <laughs> well, um, I have a, a personal motto. It's kind of simple. To me, my motto is it's all about love. And uh, that's what drives my work. I work for Jesus. And it's really mm. that Jesus at this point in my life is the reason for my work. <laughs> Very cool. Now, Nancy. As president and CEO of Value of the Person, and we're going to hear lots more about this during the next segment, how does faith shape your work every day? Well, Jim, for me, um, there's been a journey, and, and you know the terminology of the value of the person, but for me, the whole thing that with my father, Wayne Alderson, and through the last 35 years, it's how do, how do I take what I believe that God has given us in terms of a calling and how do we make that real? And so, so that has really been the journey, is how do we take the, the mission field of the workplace? And so that faith that has grown and the relationship with Jesus is so powerful to say, I am called to bring light and salt and to gifted with this organization as a valued person, really not an organization, but truly it's more of a movement Mm-hmm. And so it to is. be able to be able to make that um, and to be gifted, I believe God has given um, me um, right. the opportunity for that. 
Nancy McDonald, tell us, where did value of the person come from? Well, value of the person began um, around 40 years ago. Um, my father, Wayne Alderson, is the founder, and God really touched his heart. Um, he's definitely one that proves that one person can make a difference. You know, and when you're purposeful and whenever you're willing to um, not let the pain keep you from your purpose. And so my father had a, a tough beginning in the coal fields, and then he went to World War II, and there's a great story there I'd love to tell your listeners sometime. Mm-hmm. From that, he was, he was sent to a foundry in Pittsburgh called Pitron. And at that point... He was a controller, made head of operations of a plant that was great distress, uh, wildcat strikes, um, just everything negative. And so he came in there with one heart and that say, how do I take my faith and what I believe that Christ has called me to out of from underneath the steeple into the workplace? And so there in that dirty, awful foundry, he began to to begin to just love the people there. And so that sounds a little bit trite, but that's really what took place. And God do you know what his motivating factor Nancy, do you know what his motivating factor was? I mean, you know, a lot of I mean, forty years ago for somebody to be having these thoughts, that's pretty out of the box kind of thoughts. Had he heard a sermon or what was it that motivated him to say, Hey, I need to start looking at the people that work with me? that do the dirty work, that, that, that I work alongside in the accounting department, that, that they need to know that they're loved. Where did that come from, that idea? Well, I think it came from the Holy Spirit really stirring him, but there was a moment, and when he was made the head of operations for this plant, it was really probably to close it. But he had attended um, a retreat Actually, Barb and I had was, were there as part of that retreat. It was a church retreat at the Ligonier Valley Study Center. Um, R.C. Sproul was there leading the retreat. It was when it was in the Pittsburgh area. And um, during that time, R.C. gave a message that said, do not let the light hide under the bushel that you need to go in and you need to make a difference. And from that, he, whether it was, I believe it was the Holy Spirit gave him the courage. He had one mission, and that was to go in and to see the people. His whole thing was that how do we get to the employee? How do I give them value and love and dignity and respect? And he was just truly called that, there, that he needed to, be, to have a vision to say things don't have to be the same. Jim, could I add to that also that prior even to Pitron, Wayne's experience in World War II, uh, and his, his dear friend Red Preston actually took a bullet and died in Wayne's arms in, in, a, uh, in, in a trench. And Wayne, and he was scarred himself. And from that point on, uh, in my experience with him, he felt deeply called for that reason that the example of someone giving his life, that he was called to a higher purpose. Mm. Well, that can have an impact like, you know, those of us that have never experienced that can't even imagine, but we can, you know, 
we can try to picture that and see that that is such a beautiful representation of what we know that Jesus Christ did for us. So Nancy, what um, on your website, it talks about universal truth. So what is that truth that you have built value of the person around? One of the things that is common for um, Barb and John and myself sitting around this table, something that you and I have in common and every person who's listening, is that each one of us very desperately wants to be treated with value and with love and dignity and respect. It is a God-given right that we have and that God has created each one of us. That's one thing that keeps us together is that common denominator that we have. For us, the, the bullseye of what we talk about with love and dignity and respect is love. Mm-hmm. That is the bullseye, and that is that universal truth. That, And how do we then you know, begin to make that real? We all want to be valued, but what does it mean? It's more difficult to value and to love. We think we're all doing it. But how do we make that real? And how do we make that part of our business? How do we make that part of just the way of life and how we do things? Our culture, you know, that that whole entity there. But it is truly based on the idea of love and value and, and the biblical principles that God has given us. Saying that you're that you that it's all about the value of the person. I mean, that's yeah, that's like that's a great church kind of thing. But out there in industry, certainly you guys growing up in steel country and coal country, where you know the union shops were tough shops. They were tough places to work. I mean, like you said, the foundry. It was an awful, ugly, dirty, nasty, smelly, hot place. Um, the value of the person that wasn't something that was talked about. 50 years ago when your dad was working in the foundry, it wasn't talked about. I mean, when people would say, Nancy, you're talking about me loving on my people, showing that their value, respecting these people. That's just a bunch of bunk. Do people ever say that to you? Oh, well, I would say that, yes, that I've heard that. In fact, there was one company where we were working and the CEO said, are you kidding me? You telling me that I need to love and value my employees? and expect nothing in return? And we said yes, because with the value of the person, we also have something we talk about, is, which is theory R. Why do we want to do this? Why would we want to implement it? And, it's, and this is why value the person and what we do is very radical. And it's because it is right, period. That is mm-hmm. a radical approach in the business community. And so we have some things that we base that on, which is, you know, building great relationships, uh, taking responsibility, you know, doing what is right, reconciliation. But that is the essence. And I would say it is predicated, and we've talked about this, Jim, that the greatest commandment we have is love the Lord God with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Who is our neighbor? How about ourselves? And we talk about transcending that love, dignity, and respect gets put into action by acts of kindness. And we talk about affirming each other, appreciating each other, and recognizing. So it's not just a theoretical, academic expression. This is a very real way of living. How do we recognize our families? This is not just the workplace. It's the family, the home place the neighborhood, our social space. 
each one of us interacts and need to affirm, appreciate, and recognize in each environment. So you're talking to someone who's brought you into an organization. You say, you know, I want you to love on your people and not expect anything in return. But the truth of the matter is that there ends up probably being a big return, which is why they bring you in hoping for a shift in the organization. What does that shift look like? Yeah, Barb, why don't you comment on that? Sure, sure. Well, it's kind of simple. Um, You know, throughout our time together with people, we do a lot of interactive activities and we get them involved and we, we, we get people to a point where they're comfortable with each other. We talk about dropping baggage, we, which is a tough one. We talk about what kind of legacy they want to leave. So we do a lot of groundwork in the beginning, but by the end, we have them make personal, each person makes a personal commitment and we share what those are. And interestingly, they make commitments like, I'm going to get to know everybody's name or I'm going to meet people at the clock when they're clocking in. I'm going to shake some hands. And mm-hmm. so although, although those things sound simple, they are transformational in the yeah. culture and the atmosphere and the environment. And those things are really acts of love. It's an act of love to call somebody by their name. You're saying things as simple as getting to know somebody's name can make an impact <laughs> on culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. It sounds simple when you isolate it like that, but when you build it into all of the other, uh, the way we build in acts of kindness and just, it's so much about drawing awareness to people because people tend to compartmentalize who they are when they come to work. They're one person when they go home with their family, they're another person. And it's about coming to be aware of, wait a minute, I'm the same person that I am with my family. How can I treat the people at work the way I'm treating people that I really care about? The encouragement to every person in every workshop we're into is to recognize that the value of the person is not a company program. Mm -hmm. The value of the person is a personal process calling each person to personal change. The only person we can change is ourselves. Well, there's a great story about a company in Canada, and in this company, it was it was looked at. It was it's a division of a large company, and they were looked at as uh, the downtrodden, the plant at the bottom of the barrel. And so there was somebody who decided that you know what, maybe we'll take a look at, at value of the person. In this company, there were 48 countries represented. Wow. Unbelievable. And again, what touches everyone is our hearts are the same. And so we were brought in there in this company because it had a great plant manager of vision. This company, um, this division, things have turned around. And they turned around because the people began to see each other as people. And so one great example, this one gentleman, his he looked in one of the seminars and he turned around and he looked at his manager and he said, I just want you to know my name. I want you to wow. know my name. And so lots of things like that change personally, has totally changed where this division now is moving up. It's being recognized as being of value because of the people and of the heart. Excellent. So, Barb, when you get, br- I mean, do you guys only get brought into companies that are run by Christians? 
Oh, absolutely not. In fact, um, the one that Nancy was just talking about is just a, a, a familiar and great story because it's a current situation we're working with. But the leaders there are, are specifically not Christians. And where there are 48 countries, there are just about as many religions represented right. there. So, um, but it, but love is, you know, being valued and loved is the universal. It's what everyone has in common. I heard of a radio preacher one day saying, well, how is somebody else's life going to be different because they crossed my path today? Yeah. And I think if we walk into the office or to the work or to the plant or to the store thinking, oh, my goodness, I have tremendous responsibility. How am I mm-hmm. going to have a positive impact on everybody that crosses my path today? You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace It's our mission field, but ultimately, I work for him. I know how you can stop wasting 70% of your work week. You heard right. Ask yourself, do you finish your work week feeling like you should have gotten more done? Ever feel like you need to accomplish more to grow your organization but have nothing left to give? We've all been there. But to reclaim 70% of your work week... You need to learn to focus on purpose-driven productivity rather than profits in order to be successful. So we're sharing a free productivity guide from Belay, the modern staffing solution with part-time virtual assistants, bookkeepers, and social media strategists. It's a compilation of their most tried and true resources for fulfilling your God-given purpose every week. Just text for him to 55123 to get your free resource and reclaim your purpose today. Again, that's the number 4 HIM to 55123. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him Power Pod with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Want more? Hear the full broadcast at IWorkForHim.com. Stay connected and receive power pack content when you sign up for our blog at IWorkForHim.com or follow us on social media at IWorkForHim. And finally, if today's message inspired you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review helps launch more workplace missionaries across the nation. That's at I Work For Him and online, IWorkForHim.com.